Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you. I want to be close. 
been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so
talking about God's design for sexuality versus some of the things that our culture teaches us in our culture today. It's almost like sex was uh, basically come up with or, or the devil's idea. And we know that that's not true. And, and it almost seems like God doesn't want us to talk about sex. And, and that's kind of what our, I think our culture thinks. But, but I'm here to tell you that God does, right? And God has a better plan for your sex life than the enemy does. So let's talk about a few challenges with our culture. Today we live with the same sexual issues, same sexual drives that we've always had, same temptations. But in our day and age, we have some unique challenges, right? We have cell phones that allow us to connect to everyone and everything and do anything that we want through them. We have um, over one-third of the Internet being porn, right? A third of the Internet is porn. A quarter of all Google searches are sexual in nature. You, you cannot turn on the TV, right, without seeing something risque. Uh, I remember we were trying to tune into the ball drop just, just on this last New Year's. And we turn on, and, and the first channel was just really horrible, country music singing. I mean, it was really bad. So we, we turned, we couldn't stand that, so we turned to something else. And here's, here's Miley Cyrus with, like, no clothes on and her, you know, things hanging out. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, you know, it's, it's hard to find that. Uh, then we have all these dating apps, and I'm not against dating apps. In fact, I heard a, a great story about a dating app, and I've used dating apps in the past before Advy, um, so I'm not against that. But uh, it used to be it was like Match.com and eHarmony. Those were the big players, right? And I know they're still large today, but I think more and more people were actually using them to find meaningful relationships back 10 years ago, five years ago. And that's now shifted quite a bit. And now the, the popular thing to use these are for disposable relationships, right? Uh, they say there's 100 million users on mobile dating apps today. And here's the concerning stat, though. Half of these are on an app called Tinder. And if you don't know about Tinder, that's, that's a good thing. But um, let me tell you a little bit about that. Tinder, I guess, brings up this profile of somebody, a, a photo, and I've heard uh, like a short biography, biography of that person. So when you look at that person, you swipe one way, and I guess it sends something to them to let them know that you're interested, or you swipe the other way, and it and it never contacts them or anything like that. So you're constantly going through these pictures and swiping left or right to let people know that you're interested or they're interested. And then if they do the same thing, I guess it connects you and, and puts you in touch with each other. I don't know if that's originally how it was intended to work. But today, people are using that right now to hook up, you know, to have that, those sexual relationships with no strings attached. This is especially true in larger cities. 
All right. There was an article uh, that I read where a young man said, hey, I could go to the bar and, and maybe find somebody and have that one night stand. Or I can just grab Tinder and I know that I'm definitely going to be able to find somebody in a matter of a few hours. And, and before the night's over, I'll be coming home from that person's house and there will be just like nothing happened. Right? That's, that's the culture that we live in, live in. And there's this huge shift going on just because of this one app. There's a lot of swiping left and right. And because of that, we're seeing more and more harmful addictions coming out, sexually related problems arising from it. The whole swiping left and right, left and right kind of reminded me of this passage with Moses in, in Exodus 2, 11 through 12. It says this, One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. You know this story. One of his people. And it says it this. He looked this way and that way. Right? And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. That reminds me of all the swiping that's going on. Today there are a lot of people looking this way, looking that way. Swiping this way, swiping that way. Seeing no one like Moses did, right? We end up doing what we feel like, what we want to do, all right? The problem is today, um, we're just looking left and right. In other words, we, we look one way to our culture, one way to our friends, the other way to media or what our schools are teaching us, but we never look up to God, right? We never dig into his word and see what he has for us. Late last year, a mayor in Hudson, Ohio, demanded that the school board resign because of the crazy curriculum that was being taught in in this school system, and he threatened to bring up charges of child pornography against the school board. Um, I, I won't read you some of the crazy things that that they were asking kids to do in these classes, but I'll just give you one example. They were to write an X-rated Disney scenario. I mean, that's, that's Hudson, Ohio. This isn't California, right? What, what are our schools and, and people teaching? What does our culture say? What do our friends tell us? What do we see on the media? If, if that's all we're looking at, right, we're, we're in trouble. We're in serious trouble. We need to look up and look into this word and see what the truth is. This, this book is filled with living truth that speaks to us today, right? It addresses the real issues that are, that are facing our lives, that are facing our kids' lives today. The issues that are destroying homes, the issues that are destroying relationships, the, the issues that are confusing our kids, it speaks to that. Looking left and right won't get us there. We have to look up. Praise God, his word is timeless and it speaks to us. Amen? So, all right, let's talk about sex. The basis, the basics, God created it. He came up with it. He's got the patent on it, right? It wasn't the devil who came up with it. God made it for your good and for his purposes. It's a blessing. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Genesis 2, verse 18. The story of creation is found in Genesis 1, and Genesis 2 kind of drills down into the story of creation between man and woman. 
tells us that uh, God placed Adam in a garden that he himself had planted. After he places them him there, he tells him to work this garden and keep it up. And a little later, we come to verse 18. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Verse 18, then I'm going to go to verse 21. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Verse 21, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then he said, This is This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of man. So after God creates man and woman that we just see here, then he gives us the design for how we should interact. Therefore, verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And a man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that it would speak to our hearts. Lord, transform us to look more like you. Change us. Lord, create us into the people that you call us to be. And help us not to shrink back from that. We just ask this in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. A little later in Genesis 4, it says that Adam, let me put up the quotation marks, knew, right? That's uh, biblical speak for sex. Knew Eve, and she conceived and, and gave um, him a son named Cain. And then a little bit later, she conceived and gave him another son named Abel. But notice the word there is new, and we'll come back and talk about that a little bit later. But here we see that Adam and Eve are fulfilling what God called him called them to do. In Genesis one twenty eight. it says, God told them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So we see that God is not against sex, right? It is used for his purposes. It's actually part of it, part of his design. Uh, so the problem is not that we all have a sex drive. The problem is, is when we let sex drive, right? And we do what we want to do. That's the problem is whenever we feel like it's okay to follow our desires, our impulses, and they are out of the bounds of what God created. What are those bounds? We see it in Genesis 2.24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We know this is where we get marriage from, and we should say the covenant of marriage. This is his intention. And in general, if you, are, if you leave sex in the marriage bed, right, then you're using it in, in bounds. But if you take it out of that arena, right, there's where the issue is. And not only are you going to hurt yourself, but you're likely going to hurt that other person. Sex is powerful, right? Sex is powerful. Now, uh, ironically, God creates sex, tells us how to use it, right? It should be between a man and woman in the bounds of marriage. And what do we do, though? What do we do with the gift that is given to us? We come back with an attitude, right? Seriously, God, whatever. You know, he doesn't want me to have any fun. 
think about this, though. Where do we use that kind of logic? Do we use that in other places? I, I, I told you that part of the, part of the uh, name of this sermon title is, um, includes chainsaws. If I were to go to Lowe's and purchase a chainsaw, right, I don't think that I would go and read the manual, the safety manual, and see how to use this thing and then be like, whatever. They don't want me to have any fun. I'm going to use it the way I want to use it, right? I'm going to do what I want to do with it. This, this manual is outdated, right? But is the safety manual there to limit us having fun or to try and make sure that we use it correctly so that nobody gets hurt? Chainsaws are powerful. You want to know how to use it right, in the right way. And, and sex is a lot more powerful than a chainsaw. I'll never forget in kindergarten, I'm out with my grandpa in the woods back here cutting wood. And he was cutting wood. I was just picking it up. But um, for some reason, he thought it would be a, a good idea to set a log down on his leg, right? And then he took the chainsaw while he's propping it up like this. And he went right down through that log and right into his leg. And I see the blood start dripping and flying. He throws the chainsaw. I'm freaking out, right? And he's like, go get grandma, right? (laughs) And he's taking his belt off and and trying to cut off the circulation to it. Um, Safety manuals are there for our protection, there for our, our good and that's how we have to see them. They're not there to take our fun away. They're not there. They're not meant to hurt us, to, to deny us, right? They're there to show us the, the best way. At least God's word is that. A safety manual might be a little bit different, but that's God's word. Sex is powerful, right? And it, and it scares me to see more and more kids getting drawn into this arena at a younger and younger age, it scares me when I hear what's being taught to them in schools. It scares me when I see what's being uh, presented to them through YouTube. We, we went years ago and saw this person, and, and it told how kids were being groomed, right? Uh, groomed for pedophilia at an earlier and earlier age. And we see the stuff coming out right now from our colleges as saying that it's okay, right? But that's not God's design. That's out of the bounds for that. Um, I want us to tell our kids, hey, sex is great, right? But do it the way God intended it to be done. It was created by God. It was given to us from God, and he has the best advice, the best way for us to utilize sex. I mean, don't we have enough examples in our world today of how sex is misused? Look at all the sexual abuse. Look at all the sexual trafficking. Doesn't it blow your mind how we are, how we are hurting people? Look at all the, the pornography that's out there, right? There's another thing. When it comes to sexuality, it's like pineapples, right? So I, I brought one here today as a visual reminder. You guys are not, like, amazed at the pineapple, Right? No, Jody's shaking her head. Um, there was a day, though, when you would have been amazed by this, right? Uh, we have people from Europe that come over to the United States, to the Caribbean, to South America, and they find these pineapples, 
right? And they're like, what the heck are these things? It's, it's kind of got an outside like a pine cone, and then in the inside, it's kind of like a sour apple. So let's call them pineapples, right? And so they, they bring them back to Europe, and, and people are literally freaking out. They've never seen anything like this, never experienced anything like this. So people are going nuts. And this becomes the ultimate status symbol for people in Europe, pineapples, right? And, and people start um, bringing it over on ships to people. People are paying unholy amounts for a pineapple. At the peak, right, at the peak of the pineapple craze, you would have to spend $8,000 for one of these. Eight grand, all right? If you ever go over to Europe, and I don't know if Brian has ever experienced this, but you will actually find a lot of pineapples in architecture over there. There's a, a, there's a, a cathedral, I think it's St. John's Cathedral, and there is a giant golden pineapple on the top of that building. That's the craze. I was telling my kids about this. You, you could actually rent a pineapple. If you couldn't afford to buy one for $8,000, you could rent one from the day. Obviously, you couldn't eat it, right? You could just look at it, and then you'd because if you ate it, you'd have to pay for it, all right? And then you could bring it back. But, I mean, is that crazy, right? Uh, this, this craze went on for hundreds of years, and, and people were, like I said, nuts about pineapples. Eventually, though, what happens? Uh, as demand goes up, people look for ways to bring in pineapples. Pineapple plantations went up all over. Steamships made transport faster, and before you know it, um, you're, you're stuck with this, right? Now, this is what we have today. <laughs> Chunk pineapple, right? We, we went from this to, to this, and that's kind of sex today, Right? Sex used to be amazing, special, and now it's just chunks in our culture, right? That's what we've reduced it to, and from a masterpiece to chunks in a can. No longer is it something to be put on top of a building, right? No longer is it something that impresses somebody. No longer is it something that's incredibly valuable to a lot of people today. It's just something common, just something everyday, ordinary. Sex with a lot of different people is just pineapple chunks. You see, what, what makes sex so special, right? So special, so amazing, is that it was meant to be this ultra-guarded experience between you and one other person. You and one other person. You were meant to share that. You were meant to be naked and unashamed with that one other person. That's what God intended for it. That's what God hoped would be the case. He, he, that's why he puts it in the bounds of marriage, right? Because once you commit to somebody to be married to them, that should be your lifelong partner. You know my story, right? And marriage, though, was intended to be just with one person. That was his plan. You can look at God's design for sex. You can see that it's designed to be experienced between one man and one woman in the bounds of marriage. And you can say, right? God doesn't want me to have any fun, but I, I think he wants you to have the most amazing experience with it that you could possibly have. 
All right. Well, I want to take the rest of the time and just expose three lies that our culture says about sex. The first one is that sex is just physical activity. This is how we justify it, right? Uh, sex is just physical activity. When I was younger, there was this band called the Bloodhound Gang. Bloodhound Gang, Lydia, Lydia, Ethan, please don't look it up, all right? Not good music lyrics. In fact, one of their songs, the chorus went, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discover channel. All right, don't, don't look the song up. It's, it's really horrible. But this is what our culture is teaching us today, right? It's just physical. It really doesn't matter. So as long as you're protecting yourself, as long as it's consensual, as long as you're not hurting someone, then it's okay. It's expected. It's natural. It's just a factor of life. You're an animal. Go nuts. Sex is more than that, though, right? From the passage that we read, the Bible says, and they shall become one flesh. So God who invented sex tells us that sex involves you and another person connecting on the deepest possible level and becoming one. Paul warns us about sex and having sex outside of that. In 1 Corinthians 6.16, he says, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. The danger of sexuality is that it's not just flesh. It's not just skin, right? It's all of you. It's flesh. It's heart. It's soul. It's joining together with somebody and becoming one with that person. We said in Genesis 4, right, that Adam knew his wife, knew on the deepest level, right? If, if that's an experience that you have just with one other person, how amazing would that bond be? Or how amazing could that bond be? I know there's other issues, right? Other things that have crept into marriage, right? But that's the potential there. That's what, the potential is amazing for what God created. If, you're, if you give yourself to somebody, though, and they reject you, and you're on to the next person, and the next person, and the next person, if you just consider it or take it as something physical to be had, I think you're just missing the specialness of sex, and you're kind of settling for chunks instead of the pineapple. On a practical level, that you know that when you stick two things together, right, when two things become one and you try to pull them apart, there's always a residue that's left. It never comes apart cleanly, right? You are, you are meant to be stuck together with somebody in the bonds of marriage, and it was supposed to be the ultimate bond. Sex was supposed to aid that, help that, right? Like I said, there's other things that are happening today in the bonds of marriage that are, are not good, but that's what it was intended to be. And if you're constantly, though, pulling yourself apart from somebody, you're, you're leaving a sense of a part of yourself with that person. And it's going to become harder and harder for you eventually to stick to someone, become one with someone. We know it goes beyond the physical because even in the encounters that are just in our hearts or, or just in our heads, there's consequences. Jesus warned us about those in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five twenty seven. He says, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in her heart. So beyond the physical, it involves a, a person's heart. 
their soul. CDC backs this up, says that regular porn users, right, or persons that have a history of a lot of partners, they experience a higher rate of depression. They, they have lower rates of physical health. There are more and more sexual problems that arise. And with the, with the easy access of pornography in our day and age today, we're seeing that more and more. The New York Post did an article about Tinder in New York, and it said 60% of women age 18 to 24 are on tenor, Tinder. 80% of men are on Tinder. Crazy numbers and they are seeing some of the craziest sexual addictions, sexual dysfunctions just skyrocketing in the city. They are seeing more and more obsessive behavior and sexual abuse. From the studies, when I was dealing with pornography, I learned, man, it literally rewires your brain. It does, so that you need a, a fix. It's like heroin. And, and the sexual side effects are, are crazy, and it's linked to, there's the potential there for sexual abuse. It's clear. There, there was an article I read by a, a Grammy winner named Billie Eilish. I hope I'm saying her name right, woman. Uh, she said she was addicted to watching porn, violent porn at age 11. And she says it destroyed her brain. 11. That's scary, right? More and more kids are, are being... I remember my first experience with online porn, right? I, I was trying to go to the, to the White House website, and it was a porn website. The, the saddest thing that I saw from the reports in New York, though, were not all these other things. It was that they're saying they're seeing an inability to maintain meaningful relationships. They're so used to that instant gratification and not having that instant gratification. It makes it hard to stay in a relationship when there's problems that arise from that. That instant gratification became so easy for people. They're having trouble with two becoming one, right? If we continue on in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul said, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but instead for the Lord. My friends, don't listen to the culture. Don't think it's just physical, right? If you do, you can come to the place where you're more lonely than ever. I experienced that with porn, being drawn away to that, right? And you can be stuck with the kind of sex that, that never results in you becoming one with someone. Number two, this leads into the second lie. I can do what I want now and then later have what God wants for me. It's the lie of the bachelor party, the lie that says that you can come to the end of your wild years and then you can mark it with a giant bonfire and just come away with that. And, and you can have that just one last trip to the strip club and then there's the line in the stand and then everything's going to be different from that moment on. It's a lie, right? It's a lie. Uh, I'm going to do it now and get it all out of my system. Does that make sense, Right? Do you, do you get stuff out of your system by putting stuff into your system? No. That puts it in there. The things we do live on. Paul says this, it this way in Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will also he reap. We reap what we sow. Don't lie to yourself. You don't sow immorality and reap blessing. Young people, this is, a, this is a warning, but this is also an amazing opportunity, right? This is a pro tip for an amazing life, 
right? If you, if you as a young person live for God and give your life to God, what would be the amazing blessings that come from that in your future, right? And this is available to every one of us now, no matter where we're at right now, right? We can start sowing blessings by living for God and seeking his way, but especially you, for you young kids. You're not missing out on life, right, by not engaging that. Don't believe that lie. I remember in high school, there was this list that went around my senior year. I was devastated, devastated when I found out I was on it. It was the virginity list, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so, so embarrassing, right? I'm a senior, and I was so ashamed. I mean, it was obvious. Like, I didn't even date anybody in high school. I didn't kiss a girl until after high school, right? That's how, that's how I was in high school, right? But I felt like I was missing out on something. That's how I felt. And, and now I'm glad I didn't get involved in any of that. Why? Because I would have dragged somebody else into that. Right, I would have took them to a place that they shouldn't have gone either. Single people, seek God, man. Single people, no matter who you are, seek God. No matter how old you are, you can reap what you sow. You might want to push back on this, right? You might think, I'm just going to do this now, but later I'll settle down. Don't fall for that trap. Uh, Don't fall for the trap. You know, I can just ask for forgiveness later. You're right. You can repent. You can seek forgiveness. You can find that forgiveness, but that doesn't mean there won't be consequences, right? There won't be things that change. Yeah, he'll forgive you, but there there might be some harm, some lifelong consequences that come from that. And maybe not just for you, but maybe for that other person as well. I don't want to lead to somebody moving further and further away from God. Don't let your desires keep you from your destiny. Your desires can keep you from God's best for your life. The author of Hebrews, he pointed out in Hebrews 12, 15 and 16, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. You remember that story? Esau traded his birthright for a single meal. He traded away God's lifelong blessing to satisfy a temporary appetite that he had. And we do that today, left and right. If he would have just waited, he could have had both, right? What are you going to miss out by letting your sex drive drive? What are you going to miss out on it? Now yells louder, but later lasts longer. Now yells louder, but later lasts longer. Don't trade God's blessing right now, right? It's not worth it. Single people, don't play the field. Reach the world. Single people, don't play the field. Reach the world. Use your single time to pour into God, pour into his kingdom, because now is the time. And don't be surprised as you're seeking his kingdom, building his kingdom, that he just brings somebody into your life that's special person, right? And then provides an amazing person to partner with in this endeavor. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Seek the kingdom first. Seek what God wants and watch what he brings into your life. I saw that with my own life after my divorce, right? 
I, I quit seeking that other person, just started to focus in on God. And it was a couple of years that where I just really grew. And then all of a sudden, God brings this amazing person into my life. And now I have a ministry partner for eternity, right? For, for the rest of my life. There's blessings when you delight yourself in the Lord. On the other side, I, I'm thinking of a young man who, who was on fire for God, and, and God caught him up in porn, right? And then he got into this relationship. And I remember telling him, don't get into this relationship. It's going to draw you away from God, right? And now he's gone. He's gone full-blown into that. And man, this, this guy I thought was going to be a pastor. That was, the, I believe, the call on his life from God. And he's missing out on it. And I pray for him, right? I pray for him. And I want him to get this. I want his eyes to be opened and to see that and, and come back. But I see what, what happens. How many times do we see the person that has a, an affair with a married person become the next spouse to be cheated on? Right? Not always. I know, I know some of you want that person so bad in your life, though, right? You, you want that so bad in your life. Can I challenge you, though, just seek the kingdom of God and let him provide that person. Let him provide that to you. Let him grow you into the person he's called you to be. And let him bless you with such an amazing person that you're going to be like, gosh, I'm glad I didn't go out on my own to try to find this person, right? You're faithful, God. Number three, third lie is this. Man, I've already messed up, so there's no hope for me. I can't stop looking at the chunks. I can't stop buying the chunks. I can't stop eating the chunks, right? No matter where you're at. Let me tell you about a guy who ate the chunks and wasted his blessing. His name was Samson, right? You know his story. With Samson, you see the devastation that comes from, from a man of God, um, that just totally ripped open his life, right? Guy was a leader. Guy was a judge, had an amazing gift from God, right? But he had a problem with sexual immorality. He had an appetite that he ate from. And his immoral relationships ended up literally destroying his life. Judges 6.15, and she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death, and he told her all his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head. I have been a, a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man." When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lord of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in her hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and she said to him, and his strength left him. And he said, The Philistines, and she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as the other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. God blessed this man with great strength, leadership, 
and poor choices took that away. God wants to know that you're destined for impact, right? He has got something specifically for you to do in the kingdom of God. He has given you an amazing gift, right? When you came to know him, when you came to give him in your life, the Holy Spirit came inside you and gave you an amazing gift. You're destined for impact. You're anointed. You're appointed, right, to do good works that God has given you to build his kingdom, to be used by the king of kings for what he wants to do in this world. Don't you dare trade that now that now thing, whatever it is, for that. Samson's strength, gone. Vision, gone. Grinding on a mill in prison. prison. I picture him sackled and just going around in a circle, an endless circle, right? Destined to do the same pointless path of existence. That's what I felt like, to be in my sin constantly looking for that next video, that perfect video. Constantly, right, other people swiping left and right, searching for that next person, constantly installing the app, deleting the app, looking for that next now person. Feeling numb on the inside, right? Feeling distant from God, feeling shame, feeling condemnation, dealing with a cycle of it, right? Where I, would, where I would come back to God and give myself to him and then go right back into it, just feeling trapped in that. But God set me free, right? Check out this passage, Judges 16, 22. This, this is one of my favorite passages for a couple reasons. But the hair on his head began to grow after it had been shaved. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. I love this so much because at first it's just a little bit of hair, right? He feels the stubble growing. It's a little bit of hair, but you know what that is? It's hope. It's hope, right? It's restoration. Soon his hair grows a little bit longer and starts getting something that he can... We wish we had that, right? That good, thick hair, right? Soon it gets a little bit longer and longer and longer. And and doesn't it encourage you, church, to find out that Samson's greatest day came after his biggest failure? That's the hope that each and every one of us have had, if you're like me, right? Samson took out more Philistines in his blind, weakened condition than he ever had because now he had something he didn't have before, humility. Humility and an utter dependence on God. And I hope we get that, right? Man, that's, that's my divorce. That's my scarlet letter. That has humbled me, right? Humbled me in those meetings. Humbled me when I think about myself. But it has also made me praise God that he loves me, that he restored me, right? That he brought me through that. And he can do the same for you. Man, I'm not trying to paint an unrealistic picture for you. The divorce might be final. I get that there's new consequences and new realities and a new normal. But I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is that if you're willing to draw the line in the sand, if you're willing to repent, like we talked about last week, and say from this day forward, man, I am yours. 
I am yours. I will follow you. I will follow your leadings, right? And if I fall down again, I'm just going to get back up and fall down at your feet and seek you with all that I have. When, when I'm tempted, when something comes into my head, man, I'm just going to bring it into your presence. Lord, I want to do this. This is how I feel, but I also don't want to do this. Lord, would you give me the strength to get out of this, to get away from this, right? If that's what you will do, I promise you, he'll free you from it. He'll heal you from it. He'll restore everything that's been taken from you. He'll take your scarlet letter and use it for his glory. Right? He'll take the residue off of your life and make it clean so that it sticks. He'll put back the pieces. He'll make you whole. He'll forgive you. He'll embrace you. He'll restore you. He'll take what the enemy meant to destroy you, right? And he'll turn it into something for his glory and for your good. That's our God. That's who he is, man. I love the prodigal son story, right? The son goes and does all these sexually immoral things. But he comes back to his father and his father completely restores him. Puts a robe on his back, puts sandals on his feet, puts a ring on his fingers. Man, you're my son, Right? You're my son. That's, that's, what available, that's what's available to you if you're trapped in some kind of sexual thing that is outside God's bounds. Amen? I don't know where you're at, right? I can tell you, though, that, man, I'm where somewhere where you are at. But there's hope. There's freedom. There's restoration. I, I'm not going to be perfect but I'm going to strive, man, and I'm going to trust in him to save me, trust in him to keep growing me, trust in him to pick me up when I fall down, right? Trust in him to grow me, change me. I'm going to ignore the shame that the enemy puts on. I'm going to ignore the labels that the enemy puts on. I'm going to ignore the labels that I want to put on myself, right? And I'm going to believe what he says, what his word says. When he tells me I'm free, I'm free. When he tells me I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. When he tells me I'm restored, I'm restored. The devil wants to shame you, man. Sometimes that's churches too, or other people. They just don't get it. They don't get grace. They don't get truth, right? The Bible tells us he didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us and to set us free. Amen? Would you stand with me? I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to walk with you. Right? Whatever you're dealing with, I'm here to walk beside you. Like I said, I know some of the things some of you are dealing with. And praise God, there's other people who have been where you're at in here right now too that knows what it's like to be abused, right? That knows what it's like to be in all sorts of different circumstances. And I know this is a church that will walk beside you no matter where you're at. I'm calling you to truth though. I'm calling you to surrender your life to God and move forward. And whatever the Holy Spirit leads you in, whatever direction that is, right? And like I said, we'll walk next to you. We'll walk with you. We'll ask you to walk with us too.
because that's what a church family does, right? We're not shame pilers. We're truth sayers. We're grace, grace spreaders, right? Let's be about that. You need to talk to me afterwards, please do. Any questions that you have, let's live for him. Let's start, let's put that mark in the sand from this day forward, right? We're going to live for him. If we fall, we're going to fall towards him. We're going to fall at his knees. We're going to fall at his feet and ask him for forgiveness. And we're going to see what he wants us to do, what he has planned for us to do. And we're going to build his kingdom. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your, your guidance. Sometimes it feels like you're taking away our fun, taking away the things that we want to do. But Father, I pray that each and every one of us would know that you have something far better for us if we would just delight in you. If we would just give ourselves wholly to you. Father, today I pray it would be a day that you say to each and every person here, follow me, pick up your cross, Put your desires away. Put your desires on the back burner and make my desires your desires, Lord. Would you put that in us, in our hearts? Would you help us to want that, Lord? I know we want our own desires, but Father, would you put your desires upon our heart? And would you help us to be all about that? And Father, would you do that? Would you bless some people, right? Lord, you've already blessed us with sending your son for dying for us on a cross. Father, would you help us to live in appreciation for that? Would you help us to go out and tell some other people and come along some other people, Lord, and help them in their journey? Father, if you've given us freedom from something, would you help us to share that, not be ashamed of it, Lord, but tell other people that they can be free as well? Lord, give us those opportunities out in this world and also in this building right, with our brothers and sisters. Father, I pray that people wouldn't feel ashamed to admit something, to come to somebody and and share something, Lord. I'm thankful for the people that have entrusted me with their secrets, Lord. Give them freedom. Give them life, Lord. Restore them. Father, I pray that they'd realize that they're, that they're, they're, they're your sons and daughters. Help us to live in that. Father, we just love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.